Welcome to Michael Stone's podcast, Awaken the World. This podcast is part of an online community library we're developing, one that contains podcasts, videos, transcripts and booklets based on Michael's talks. The goal of this library and this podcast is to bring mindfulness and mental health into the spotlight. Through this work, we're creating new ways to wake up through socially engaged, conscious, spiritual practice. We're creating a culture of compassion and collaboration. We've left our physical monasteries and we're bringing them online. Before we get to today's podcast, I want to take a moment to ask you to consider becoming a patron of this podcast through Patreon. Pledging is easy and can be as little as $1 per month. Just go to patreon.com forward slash Michaelstone and click on the big orange button on the top right of the page. Thank you for listening. Good evening. When I was sitting, I was thinking about being a kid. Um, you probably think I wasn't thinking about anything. Um, I had a meeting today w- with somebody. I'm planning on doing some work in the fall, uh, bringing together uh, the Buddhist community and the Jewish community, which is work that wasn't really happening in the city so much. And um, so I, I've just been remembering all afternoon because... When I was small, um, uh, I was very I was very troubled kid. I was like really a loner and mad all the time. And um, but then this peculiar thing is I also used to put on a suit, and without my parents, I would go to synagogue every single Saturday. And I would go to in the synagogue I went to. There was a really large temple uh, room, and then there was a smaller one. And I used to go into the smaller temper with all the old men early in the morning. I remember the men, too. They had bad breath. And they had a lot of dandruff on the shoulders of their suits. And, um, and I used to pray with them and, and chant with them. And I remember always having this feeling watching them like they were going through the motions. And I always had this sense like, there's something in, in this. What's this about? So, anyways, all afternoon I've been thinking about that. I used to always say that to myself. What's this about? Something really magnetic. So, um, have you ever had this feeling? You know, you, you go to some kind of ritual or ceremony, and there's this feeling like, there's something here calling me. And what what's this about? And, and I've had that feeling recently, because as some of you know, I do work with clinicians, and clinicians right now are like obsessed with mindfulness. You heard about this? It's like, if you want to know where the money is right now, in research, it's like mindfulness, you know. Every foundation all over the United States is mindfulness. You know? And so sometimes I'm in that scene and I think, what's this about? <laughs> so tonight I want to talk a little bit about mindfulness and dying. Because I actually think that they're twinned in, in many ways. Um, first of all, how many of you have heard of the term mindfulness? Most most people. Um, 
So mindfulness comes out of the Buddhist tradition, and you find it also in some of the yoga traditions. And mostly the way it's defined right now is, this is how the clinicians define it. Mindfulness is paying attention on purpose without judgment. Do you get that? That's what we're doing, right? Mindfulness is, so this is what you're doing when you're meditating. Paying attention on purpose without judgment. Now, a lot of people are paying attention on purpose. But the judgment can be very, very subtle. And like I was saying earlier, just the creation of categories can be also a kind of judgment. This is good, this is bad. Thinking is bad. This isn't peaceful, this is supposed to be peaceful. So I would like to add a little to this definition. First of all, that mindfulness is not a concept. It's not like a new paradigm for how you look at things. And mindfulness is also not a technique. It's not a technique of paying attention. Mindfulness is living fully. That's it. So that your whole heart and body are generous. And if I think of somebody who's actively dying and dying well, then I think they have the same quality. To be right there in the moment, courageously and honestly and generously. We always think that death is taking something away from us, taking our life away, taking the people we love away. It doesn't matter how much money you have. You're going to die. It doesn't matter if you're famous. It doesn't matter if you have had great success. It doesn't matter you, you, anything you've achieved uh, does not help you. But what really matters is the state of your heart when you're dying. Face to face with your heart when you're dying. And so dying isn't taking away so much as maybe exactly the opposite, the final act of tremendous generosity. Like actually to lie down or sit up or take your last breath or take your last days and just give it, give it all back. Give it away. Actively. There's a wonderful story that Bernie Glassman told me when I was taking him to the airport when he was here last... When was he here? Last fall? Last, last Summer? Spring. No, last fall. He, he was a good friend of Bernie Glass, uh, of uh, Allen Ginsberg. And he said that when Allen Ginsberg found out that he had a month to live, turns out that Allen Ginsberg had less than a month to live, he, he called Bernie on the phone and said, Bernie, it's Allen... I just found out I have a month to live. What can I do for you? And apparently he called everyone in his phone book and said, what can I do for you?
But how many of us have seen family members or friends dying? And it's all this kind of fear showing up. And it's okay that the fear shows up, but then it dominates. So when we're sitting in our meditation practice, we're practicing generosity, and we're also practicing devotion. So that whatever is showing up, that's the deity of that moment. And we're fully devoted to that moment with a generous and uplifted spirit. That's so much more than paying attention. And what, what, what sometimes I feel is the problem with the term mindfulness is it's about your mind. Like when I hear the word mindfulness, I think of like a mind that's doing something. But it's interesting in the Buddha's teachings of mindfulness, it starts with the body. That actually to give attention to the body. And then once he goes through giving attention to the body, some of you have studied this, um, then he talks about really looking at all the parts of the body and how the parts of the body are impermanent. How they pass away. And then to feel this. The, the Buddha's language is to touch this. To touch this to touch the fading away of everything. So to me, this is precisely the instructions we need to die and precisely the instructions we need so that we can live. Exactly the same. To really be fully there. There's two Zen stories that I wanted to compare a little bit. Um, One that I like and one I don't like. See if you can guess. Oh, well, I'll just I'll tell you the short version. The story is about someone named Tozan. So, so there's a, a student, and he's with his teacher, and the teacher is actively dying and in pain. And the student says, "Can you contact the one in you who's not dying?" And the teacher says, yes. And the student says, can you look at the one who's not dying? And the teacher says, yes. And he looks back at me. And I've never really liked that story so much. It's so pure, you know, to get out of the place where you're in pain. And then almost a century later, another story in Zen literature shows up. Curiously enough. Student says to the teacher, um, How does it feel dying? And the teacher says, In pain. And the student says, Can you see the one who's not in pain? And the teacher says, Yes. When you look at him, what do you see? And the teacher says, That's a better lesson. Not so idealistic. We have this term we always say, waking up. But actually, to be in your life, we need to wake down. To wake back down into the body. So in this second story, 
the teacher is saying, you know, what happens when you really look at that place in your heart? The student says, what happens when you look at that place in your heart to that part of you that is not in pain? Because we all know this, right? We, we've been in pain, and we want to touch that place where we're not in pain. And every spiritual book promises we're going to touch that place. So this is dualistic, right? This is getting out of the experience. And what I like about this second story is saying, you know, what do you see? What do you really see when you look at your situation? And he just goes, ah. Oh. It just hurts. So can you be in that and not add anything to that? I mean, you should add to it. You should, you know, take the right pills, do what you can to ease it a little. And also, you know, those of you who do palliative care work, especially you know that there are many illnesses that you can't medicate the pain away. You can't. And Western science is so good at managing pain. But we're not so skillful, I think, at dealing with the suffering part. Just actually to be one with suffering. Or maybe that's not so terrible. So sometimes I would like to replace the word mindfulness with mourning. So what's your practice? Well, I belong to a mourning sangha. <laughs> because, because I like the sense that mindfulness is to be present not just with the arising of what's showing up, but also with its passing away. And being able to let what's arising also pass away. And for those of you who've been long-time meditators, you know it's easier to watch the arising of something. But also, equally, you need to be able to see what's arising also pass away. But usually something arises, and on the crest of its arising, we bring in something new. <laughs> you know, Like even, wasn't it great how I just watched the arising? <laughs> But we need to be able to see the crest, the apex of that, and also its dissolution, also its passing away. To feel the end of the exhale is to begin that, that process. So um, I don't want to talk all night. I also want to do some, some uh, exercises around this practice of dying. So what I'd like to do is a partner exercise. And what I'm going to ask you to do is to sit face-to-face -face with your partner so your knees will maybe only be a short distance apart. Um, introverts are not allowed to leave. But you can always sit in the corner and watch if you want. Um, so you're going to sit face-to-face -face with your partner. Uh, make sure you know each other's name. And then we're going to practice with a repeating question. So you're going to say to your partner, you're face to face with your partner, you're going to say, you are going to die. And then they are going to respond with whatever comes to the heart. Anything. Maybe they'll say, um, I'm not ready. 
I'm going to miss my son. Take me away. Just, just whatever comes up. And then you'll say, thank you. And then you'll say it again. You are going to die. And then they'll see what comes up. But no sentences. Like just, it has to be spontaneous or you're not actually generously there. And then you say, thank you. And then you ask the question again. You are going, not ask the question, statement. You are going to die. And then let's just see what happens. Okay? So we'll do that for five minutes. And then I'll ring the bell. And then we'll switch. Okay? So the question is, or sorry, the statement is, you are going to die. They're going to respond. You say thank you. So there's no conversation going on. And we stay face to face. So we're right here. This is the relational mindfulness. Okay. Um, whatever comes up is okay. It's not who you are. It's just what's here in this, in this moment. Mm -hmm. So I've told you the instructions, and just watch what happens to you now. Watch how you function. All your social layers, your fears, your interests. Maybe some of you are rehearsing already <laughs> what you're going to say. Um, so, find a partner, sit face to face, introduce yourself to your partner, don't be shy. <laughs>